blue wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome in. Welcome back to uh, episode 181 of Press Pass. Yes, it has been a couple of weeks. It's been crazy. And I know it's been crazy for Joshua. Um, I'm just back from vacation. I hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving. I'm Kayla Anderson. He is Joshua Perry. I'll start with that. How was Thanksgiving for you and the family? And did you did you eat some good turkey and all the, the sides? Um, It was great. It was myself and my wife. We didn't have a chance to make it back to Columbus. And uh, with my work schedule, it didn't make sense to have anybody come to town for Thanksgiving. It was awesome, though. Um, I cooked the whole meal. We didn't do a turkey because it was just the two of us. But I had some turkey legs and then uh, did mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, um, did some cranberry sauce. um, I mean, did some stuffing. We had a couple pies. I was I was in there cooking it up. We had a great time. Yeah, sometimes that's the best is when it's a smaller Thanksgiving. Uh, you don't have to deal with all the dishes and, you know, it's always great to be around family. But you also have Christmas. You can do that. So one holiday, taking it for yourself, not a bad thing. So Not at all. It was really good. It was enjoyable. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. I went back to visit my family uh, in California because most, most of them are there now. So my brother lives there. And my mom came down with my aunt and, you know, my biggest highlight is always my nephew since I don't have kids. So uh, it was so fun to see them and they're growing so fast. One's seven and one's three. And Joshua, the three-year-old is like going to be a little hellion. Um, Seriously. He, he just, he, nothing hurts him. He had, he, everything about him is like, he makes things funny. It, it's like, he's got this like little comedian side to him. Um, and so he was just hilarious. He was cracking me up the entire time. And then the older one is is the athlete, really athletic one. And he's uh he's growing up so fast. It's like my God, he's going to be taller than me in like two years, Joshua. That's crazy. That is wild. Yeah. So I they watched a lot of football with me. So that was fun to kind of kind of teach them some things too. So it's always a good time. But you know, now that we're back here, we jump right into it. And the college football playoff rankings. Um, second to, to final ones have come out. I am going to go over them real quick, Joshua, and then I want your reaction. I know there's uh, lots of reaction because we're recording this on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. There's lots of reaction here in Tennessee, and I'm sure you know why. Okay, so um, at number 10, Kansas State. Clemson coming in at 9. Penn State representing in the 8th spot. <clears throat> Tennessee is actually behind Alabama at 7. Because Bam is coming in at six, and then your Buckeyes, Ohio State, in the five spot, which is an okay spot considering there's some things that can happen in front. USC coming in at four, TCU three, Michigan. While some people thought maybe they would have hopped Georgia, is at the two spot, and Georgia coming in at that top spot. For me, no huge surprises. There's issues with Tennessee not being in front of Alabama because they won the head to head. Um, down here, 
But I'm wondering for you, like anything in this poll that was surprising to you? Joshua, are you there? You still got me? I did. You cut out for one moment. But did you, um, I just went through the rankings. I was just wondering. I, I got all of them. You did. Okay. For you, like, was there any surprise there? No, um, no surprises. And I'll, I'll address the, the Tennessee deal here. Um, I understand the head to head, but like, I'll go back to my year when we lost to Virginia Tech. So after that game is over, is Virginia Tech supposed to always be ranked ahead of Ohio State because they went head to head? Because as the games have bared out recently, um, like Tennessee got absolutely thumped by Georgia, which isn't the worst loss, but they got thumped. And then what South Carolina did to them, um, like that's, that's not a good football team. Well, you also have to look at what the college football playoff committee is looking at now with the bowl game setup, and they don't have Hendon Hooker. Right. And that's, that's an important factor too. Like I think you would take this team for what it is right now. And it's not to say that um, Joe Milton hasn't taken strides at quarterback because he looks like a totally different guy than when he transferred in. Um, But Hendon Hooker was the Heisman front runner. Right. Like the, basically the whole year after he really started playing well um, and up until that Georgia game. So that certainly makes a difference. I look at the top spots and there was probably a conversation that needed to be had about whether Michigan should jump up into the number one spot. They own the best victory. Yeah. Singular victory in college football. Um, they also have a win against Penn State, who's sitting there at number eight, and they dismantled that Penn State team. The pushback on that would be that Georgia's overall um, strength of schedule and who they've played certainly better than what Michigan had, considering what their non-con was. Like they had to play Oregon, who has certainly stubbed their toe, but it's way better than saying that you played Colorado State and Hawaii. Um, yeah. So that that'll haunt them at this moment. It doesn't matter. They're in the show regardless. I think they could lose to Purdue. And as long as it's not, you know, 59 to nothing uh, type of loss, uh, they're certainly in there. Um, the Ohio State-Alabama thing becomes really unique to me, and I thought they got it right. And I know that Alabama people would say that, oh, they only had two close losses and they were on the road in those losses. And what I would reply is two losses is more than one. Um, and we saw what happened to LSU after their win against Alabama, like it's a good team. It's certainly not a great team. Um, and we see what's also happened to Tennessee. It is a good team. It is not an elite team. Um, and then you can make the argument that they had two other games against A&M and against Texas that could have easily been losses just the same way they were wins. So folks would say Alabama could be undefeated. They would also say that they could be a four loss team. It seems very inconsistent to me. Whereas Ohio State in their 11 wins, they've won all those games by double-figure margins. They got just obliterated in terms of the box score against Michigan at home. Right. Uh, a 20-plus point loss, and that is fresh. But, again, you have the Notre Dame win, which really helps, and you have the Penn State victory, which was a double-digit win on the road at Happy Valley. Like, that's a big win. And I would also say this is once you start to dig into the tape, I think you realize that a majority of the performance for Ohio State was quality against Michigan. Sure. There were five glaring plays on defense that really swayed the game. 
there were a, a couple of situations on offense where I think Ohio State should have tried to extend the drive by going for it on fourth down that Michigan got the ball back and they had an opportunity to score and did. And Ohio State had nine penalties for 91 yards in that game, which is really uncharacteristic for the way that this football team has played throughout the season. So obviously I'm going to sound like an Ohio State apologist. I'm unsatisfied with what they've done. Um, if they, You're not going to hear any whining and crying from me if there's some chaos this weekend. Ohio State still doesn't make it into the playoff. They had their opportunity to win, and they certainly did not live up to what they were supposed to be. But if you're looking at this from a rational, critical, analytical standpoint, and you remove the emotions and the feelings about it out, I think it makes perfect sense that Ohio State would be sitting there at the number five spot. Yeah, and that the thing with that, too, is <clears throat> at the five spot, there is still a chance for them to get into the college football playoff um, because USC is playing in their championship game this weekend against Utah, which Utah we've seen this year. I mean, it's not a bad team. And Utah, you know, when you look at them as a whole, they've probably disappointed a little. But one thing I will say about USC, like that's a good team. Offensively, Caleb Williams is balling out, right? Yeah. Um, Deserves a Heisman. Absolutely. It's just that I sometimes wonder about the defense, you know, in terms of the full team. And we'll see if Utah can give them any types of fits. I don't think they will, but I know Ohio State is rooting for that scenario because if they lose to Utah, in my opinion, it's got to be Ohio State that gets in, right? Like there's no other situation. Yeah, I mean, that's you bring up really good points. I'm, I'm moving around right now. I got to uh, put something in the freezer. So, you know, I know that's, I was I was like opening up like my my uh, chocolates here. If you could if you were hearing me earlier. Yeah, but um, on, on the USC Utah thing, like, let's not forget that Utah beat this USC team earlier in the year. So they're certainly capable of it. And it was it was in Utah and it was a one point victory. They went for two at the end of the game. Right. So it wasn't like you think on a neutral field that um, USC shouldn't have the advantage in this one. And it's certainly difficult to beat the same team twice in one year, but yeah. they're fully capable of it. And, and USC's defense has been one that has thrived off of turnovers, specifically interceptions. They're, I think they're plus 20 in turnover margin on the season, plus 22 or something crazy like yep. that. And they have done a really good job of turning those turnovers into points. But if you can turn that faucet off, it does two things. Is Number one, it keeps the opposing offense on the football field. Like the turnover ends the drive. It's simple. Right. But that's what it is. But number two, it gives USC less chances to score. Like if you can keep their offense off the field – you're doing a really good job there. So I think that's an option. And then the other one is TCU, who has been in some games this year, playing right. against the top 10 Kansas State. Like, that's not a guaranteed win. And I don't think that TCU should be guaranteed to be in the college football playoff if they don't win that game. Right. Um, if right. they lose it close, I think that they can still have a case there. If they get blown out, then all bets are off to me. That's a, That should be a, a disqualifier the same way that we've seen other teams get beat or get blown out, and it was a disqualifier for them for what point they were at. So this certainly is a unique weekend. I go back to this. If you're an Alabama fan, if you're an Ohio State fan, you did it to your damn self if your team doesn't get in. I don't want to hear the whining, the bitching, and pissing, and moaning because, like, you had ample opportunity to go out there 
and cement your spot as one of the top teams. However, if chaos happens this weekend, then there need to be some legitimate conversations about which teams deserve to go in. You have to look at the body of work and you have to look at um, what these teams really are. Uh, like not what we think they are, but what they really are. And then the committee has to make a decision. Yeah, it, uh, it's some good points there. And, and, you know, who knows what will happen? This is a, eventually it'll go to the 12 team playoff and, and it will work itself out, <clears throat> you know, but right now you just kind of wait to see, like you said, if chaos happens, there's going to be movement for sure. Um, I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because Let's do it. there were some coaching hires this past weekend. Um, I am going to get to your guy in a second, and we all know who that is, Mr. Luke Fickle, because um, I know you're jacked up about that. But I, I want to start with the SEC and clearly a topic down here that we've been on radio uh, talking about all day, and that is the hire of Hugh Freeze, former Liberty uh, head coach, and before that at Old Miss, has been hired at Auburn. Um, I believe it's their third coach in four years. Um, it's just like nuts that that's even, a, like, I, I can't even believe that I'm saying that at a power program like that, that has so much tradition that they've just not been able to get it right. And I think Auburn fans, it's a mixed bag in terms of, you know, uh, what they're feeling down here. There's, there's some that say, Hey, give him a chance. Let's, let's be, have the past be the past. He's a good football coach. And then there's some that just can't get over the fact that he's done a lot of shady stuff. Um, All right. So he says that he's not still doing it. So what, what are your thoughts on the hire? Well, I'd like to get, first off, I'd love, I'd love to get your thoughts. And then I'd also um, like to hear what kind of the consensus has been, if there is one um, about this hire, because I've got some pretty strong thoughts, but I'd like to give you the floor first. So I, Today, I spoke about this on the radio, um, our show, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, here in Nashville in the mornings, and I think we were all on the same page, actually. What I think is when you're making a critical hire like this, and I say it's a critical hire because there's nothing not critical about it. They have not had stability. These players have had not had stability. The fan base is just had it. Like My husband is a like, fourth uh, Auburn gen- generational grad, and he, he won't eat like, it's just like, he's like giving up, you know, because there's, there's nothing that they've done to help anything. It's just been chaos. And so now you're moving on from, you know, this, this past coach, and now you're going to go get your second choice, not your first choice. Cause Lane Kiffin right. was clearly the first choice. So now right. this is your second choice that you're bringing in and you're bringing in a guy that, that has a shady ass pass let's not Mm -hmm. get past everything that happened at old miss and he goes to liberty and kind of goes away for the most part in terms of we didn't hear anything about him as much off the field um and you saw him win at liberty right like he he didn't do anything crazy but he put him in the top 25 he's done a, a a decent job it's not saying that he's not a good head coach he's only had one losing season in 12 years but I cannot get past the fact that this is supposed to be the guy. Like 100%, mm-hmm. you have to buy in. He can't screw up. And you're going to take a chance on somebody like this that has that much baggage. I mm-hmm. just don't think it overall is the greatest decision because of that. 
I mean, they're already going to control his Twitter because he clearly isn't grown up enough to do it himself, you know, yep. to control himself. So when I look at it, just in terms of how critical this hire is to put this program back on track, I know that he can win games. I just don't know if it's the full package that you need and that there's no risk involved, which I think is important. Yeah, I I think you summed that up extremely well, uh, because I go back to this idea that I'm not going to sit here and diminish the men's coaching accomplishments. I think he's a very good football coach, like just from an X and O standpoint, from a um, you know, can he get guys doing the right thing on the football field standpoint? Like, absolutely. I'm all on board with Hugh Freeze. But you can't evaluate a coaching hire like that because there's so much more to the job. This is somebody that you've enlisted to be in charge of young men and to be an influence in their lives and to get them on the right track and have them doing the right thing. And you had to hire a PR firm to announce that he was going to be the guy because you know what his background is and what his history is. Right. So that's strike number one. Number two, you mentioned the Twitter thing. There, you know, somebody's going to be in control of his Twitter. He denied the reports that this was something that he was forced to do, but also acknowledged that he has somebody that manages his Twitter. You do a little bit of digging, and apparently he was harassing a woman who was a, a victim of sexual assault in her DMs on Twitter. So it seems like very nasty behavior, especially somebody who was coaching at a Christian institution in Liberty. And I have my thoughts on that school as well that I'm not willing to share on this podcast. Then you get into the actual running of the program. You had 20 plus NCAA violations and you had to vacate like 20 plus wins under Hugh Freeze because the the guy is a cheater, right? And so as I evaluate all these things, it's unique to me because we're in a space right now where people are like, they're anti-cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're leaving out this idea that it's not necessarily cancellation, it's accountability. Some people do not need to occupy certain spaces, spaces, excuse me. And especially when we're talking about an industry and a paradigm that has lacked opportunity for certain groups of people, Hugh Freeze gets another opportunity at this job. But to me, that doesn't even apply to him because he was at Liberty. And if I'm not mistaken, Liberty was paying him in the four to five million dollar range. Right. So how the hell are we going to say this man hasn't had a second chance and hasn't had redemption? And how are we even going to intimate that this man has been canceled? That is not remotely being canceled. I've never met somebody that was canceled that was making between four and five million dollars a year. So Cut it out with the the sob story, with the he needs redemption, with the he deserves another opportunity. He had his opportunity. Liberty wanted him. It was a perfect platform. They were a match made in heaven, considering the lack of morals of that institution. And I think this is what happens when you have in, and I don't want to call them fully inept, because I think that their plan A was really good. You know I'm a Elaine Kiffin fan. But this is what happens when you have an athletic department that was not fully equipped to, to do the search. Because they strike out on lane, and I think they were interested in Dion. It doesn't seem like Dion was really trying to play ball with them. And now you're saying, "Oh shit, what do we do?" Oh, here's Hugh Freeze. He would love this job. There's no chance he's turning this down. Let's hire him. And I think that they could have done way more due diligence, and they could have studied harder. And instead of getting a guy, which again he has a proven track record, but he's a retread guy who has a clouded past, instead of finding somebody who potentially is a a hotter, newer, younger candidate who hasn't been on that level yet, they go with Hugh. And I'm I'm certainly disappointed. 
it's not to say that he's going to fail at this job. I think that he could probably produce results, but I'm also going to say that I wouldn't be shocked at all if I'm hearing about a scandal that involves him because it's just who he's been. Yeah. And, and once you get on a bigger stage, you have more access to things. And I just, it scares me because I just don't think a lot of the times those type of people change. So it, it he reminds me, and I told my husband uh, this when he was uh, doing his press conference today, he reminds me of like a car salesman. And 100%. it just, it just comes across as disingenuine and I just, I can't buy in. And, you know, for Auburn fans out there, I think they're going to have to just sit and wait, you know, it, I mean, they don't have a choice now and they, they hope for the best. And honestly, I hope for the best for them because that program, you want it to be good. That organization or that, you know, that's a good traditional program in the country. And it just, it yes. hasn't been even close to that. And I don't, I don't know what will happen with this hire, but I just, I wasn't a hundred percent in on it. I just am not a Hugh Freeze fan. And it feels I mean, I feel like more so than not, people are not Hugh Freeze fans. Yeah. I mean, listen, like Auburn, when Auburn football is really good, like it's great for college football because then the Iron Bowl really matters. And there's probably championship implications that are involved in it. Like this is something that I think we want to see. We want to see Auburn elevated. I don't think this is the way that we want to see it. Well, what we do love to see um, is the fact that I know we've talked about this so many times with Luke Fickle um, and, and your your relationship with him. Obviously, we've come on here and talked about that. Um, we knew at some point he was going to move on, right? We, ju- we just knew that he was kind of waiting for the right situation. Um, he is clearly been hired at Wisconsin to be their new head coach coming over from Cincinnati. Did you think like this would be a job that he would definitely take? Did you have any, you know, clue when it opened up that maybe that was a guy you could see going there? And and what is now the chance of Wisconsin kind of getting back to what it used to be uh, just in the past like couple of years? You know, it's just gone downhill in the past year or so. Yeah, it's interesting because every opening, I I, I was like, everybody should be calling Luke Fickle. Yeah. Like, you, you should you should make him make a decision on whether he wants to be at Cincinnati or not. That's how I feel about him. Um, he's a remarkable coach. He is an even more remarkable human being. And I've shared this story a few times now, but I'll share it here. But um, you know, in 2018, uh, I ended up retiring from football, and I had talked to Luke Fickle. He's one of the first people that reached out to me, and he said to me, if you are interested without knowing what I was going to do professionally. We'll have a spot for you here at Cincinnati. Um, You know, he's looking out for one of his former players. And I I just appreciate a guy who does that. Like there, I don't know a lot of coaches who are that invested in their former players. Luke Fickle is invested in every single one of us. Um, So just from that standpoint, the program's in great hands. Luke Fickle has been extremely choosy about his coaching opportunities, though. Sure. Um, this is a guy who was in the mix for USC, and this was a guy who was in the mix for Oklahoma, and this was a guy who was in the mix for Notre Dame, and probably due to his commitment to the Cincinnati Bearcats, missed out on an opportunity to be the head coach at Notre Dame. Um, and so I'm not shocked that he took this job. I feel like it fits him. It's a, a tough-nosed you know, Midwest, Wisconsin football uh, Rock'em Sock'em type situation. The other thing that this move indicates to me on the Wisconsin side is that they want to play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think part of that is due to the amount of money that is flowing through these universities with the new Big Ten media rights deal. Mm-hmm. Um, really hard to not have a financial investment commitment when it comes to that. The other part of it is the reality of what you said as you introed this topic. Wisconsin is a program that has the most wins in the college football playoff era without making the college football playoff. Right. Like, just I want you to marinate on that for a moment. Yeah. So they know that, especially in a 12-team format, they're on the precipice here. Because as it stands right now, if it's a 12-team format, it's going to be Michigan probably representing the Big Ten as the uh, auto bid for winning the conference title. Then you have at-large bids. So they take the six highest-ranked um, conference champs and the, uh, the next six highest-ranked teams. So you would assume that if the top four holds, they would be uh, four of the six, and then Ohio State's sitting there at five, so they're the literal next-ranked team. Mm-hmm. And then Penn State's sitting there at eight. Who's saying that Wisconsin can't be Penn State sitting there at eight? That would be in the college football playoff in the 12-team format. Yeah. In, in, in many years, they would have been. Yeah. Are you there? Yep. Okay, I thought I missed. You. I thought I uh, lost you real quick. Uh, th- this is the technical difficulties rearing its ugly head again tonight on the podcast. So hope you all had fun. Uh, you know, enjoying enjoying the uh, the uh, lengthy pauses. I'll t- I'll try to fix it, Joshua. The technical side of me can't can't I, handle. I wouldn't. Anymore. I wouldn't even try to. <laughs> I have like this. There is like a part on the podcast when we edit it. Like it it does take out long pauses. So usually that will work. Um, no, but it's. I just think that when I heard this news, I, I immediately thought, oh, Joshua is, is going to be thrilled about this, right? Um, it'll be fun to have him in the Big Ten just because, you know, that's Ohio State people know him and have such respect for him. I mean, he's got respect all around the college football um, you know, landscape, but especially in the Big Ten because he was there for – for so long with Ohio State. Yeah. And I, I'll, I just, I loved the hire. I, I was really excited. You know, to see and I'll it. say this on the hire as well, but um, he's bringing Brady Collins yeah. as his uh, strength coach. And, and I, I don't know if you saw my tweet from earlier. So Brady Collins was at Ohio State when I was there as a strength and conditioning assistant. Yep. Um, the guy is phenomenal at his job. He cares about his players. He learns every player's body. He learns all the different modalities to make sure that guys can get and stay healthy. He's a developer of people, but a great connector. He's a great human. His door was always open. I used to sit in his office for hours and just shoot the shit. Um, but he's also an Olentangy High School grad. So I was familiar with this guy many years before he ever came to Ohio State. And that part of the infrastructure, I think, is as big a deal as anything else. Um, having that guy, psh, that's a game changer. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think it's an incredible hire. Anybody who was able to get Luke Fickle, uh, very lucky in terms of putting their program in the right direction. So, yeah, those those are the two hires that I really was interested in hearing your thoughts on. Um, it seems like we're on the same page with that for sure. Yeah, so I, I think we'll just have to to wait and see this weekend, Joshua, see how the um, conference championships shake out. I will say this, and I'm not on record for saying this much on this podcast. I am really proud of the Pac-12 this year. Yeah. I, I really am proud of what the Pac-12 has done in terms of getting programs 
back into competitive mode. Um, you know, you see it in the rankings alone with, with the teams that are there. But, you know, even for teams like Oregon State, who hasn't even been relevant in I don't know how long, um, to watch them beat Oregon this past weekend, I was just jumping up for joy. Um, but it makes it that much better to have teams that were at the bottom for so so long be relevant again um, and to have competitiveness. The only thing that sucks is you kind of just knock each other out when it's all said yes. and done, right? But I think the football being played over there is so much better than what we've seen in the past few years. I'm 100% on board with that take. Um, I'm very impressed by what they've done as a conference too. I think the one thing to kind of rain on your parade a little bit, like USC and UCLA, yeah, yeah. you know, your top dog is going to be gone. Um, but outside of that, like I watch Utah, ton of respect for that program, Washington, ton of respect for that program. Same thing with Oregon and even the way Washington state played, like we talked about it early this year, but they were always a tough out. Like it was never going to be a given that you could beat that program and specifically what they had gone through the last couple of years. Like that was a tough spot for Washington state and they played extremely well this season. So um, I'm on board with you, like West coast football. I'm glad it was good. And then I think a lot of people ended up watching more West coast football than they have in the past because you have Caleb Williams out there balling and because Michael Penix Jr. Right. was doing his thing and because Bo Nix was playing extremely well, like it was great for the conference. Yeah, no, I agree. A good, good points there. Just had to, you know, as much crap as I've given them, I also have to be true to uh, the fact that, you know, they, they have been better this year. So I will give that conference, my conference credit when credit is due. Well, that will do it for this episode of press pass thank you again all of you guys uh for joining us i know it's been a couple of weeks but we appreciate you uh, having some patience hopefully this podcast gave you like two weeks worth of just good content that you can soak in uh as for how you can follow us joshua where do they go you can go to um, at RIP underscore JEP on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me on the clock app, TikTok, um, at not Josh Perry. There we go. And you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Twitter. If you want to listen to me talk about sports for four hours in the morning, you're up early. Ramon, Kayla, and Will. I stream it on Twitter from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Check us out. All right. It's a great show uh, as oh, somebody you, who's Joshua. been a guest there. I, and I, I listen in sometimes on the Twitter stream. I think you guys do a great job. Which reminded me, I brought you up today when I talked about Fickle. And I said, we got to get Joshua back on the on the, the uh, show. So we'll we'll be uh, getting you an invitation here soon again. Cause I let always, me know. I always, I always enjoy, you know, a little bit of out of the realm. You know, you have your guests that you always have. And I'm trying to you know, put my people in too. So that's, I'm working that in here as much as I can. All Love right, y'all. <laughs> um, enjoy the weekend. Good luck to all your teams if they are playing. And we will be back with another episode of Press Pass next week. Take care.